Is beauty objective or subjective? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for people who love to have fun thinking deep. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, beauty beholder, and with me as always is my brilliantly beautiful co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and lover, and co-creator with God of trying, attempting of beauty occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> you, you started out real, real strong. <laughs> yeah, but I got a little timid through. I was like, can I just say I'm a creator of beauty? Well, no, that's that's a little too much. Is, yeah, co-creator. Uh, I like the co-creator part, though. Aspiring yes. beauty creator. How about that? I mean, I think you are a beauty creator. You, see, and, you but but co-creator. You know, you glimpses, co- glimpses. Yes, yes. I always Imperfect. tell people, they're like, should I read your books or or watch your movies? I'm always like, <laughs> you know, well, maybe well, just like thirty seconds of this movie and like one paragraph of that book, but just ignore the rest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fair, fair. No, I I think you are a co-creator of beauty with God. I like that. Um. Anyway. We're talking a lot about beauty this episode because today we are discussing beauty and whether it is objective or subjective, which is very fun. I'm very excited about this episode. And Nathan was very proud. He, he said off screen, it's like, I prepared notes for this episode. Yes. Oh my God. I actually did. And I'm like really excited this to is, see the result. This is a sign of growth for me. I, I <laughs> now, in all fairness, I did ask you this morning what the subject of the podcast was, <laughs> even though you told me months and weeks ago. Yeah, that tracks. But uh, since this morning, I have put together a few notes, so I want everyone to be very proud of me. Very excited, everyone. We should, let's let's see how this goes. We may decide you to go back to wigging yet. That's uh, true. We'll you know what, Nathan? <laughs> Forget the notes. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, very excited. But anyway, if people enjoy our episode, our discussion, and want to engage more with our content, and Pete Mello. Feet mellow overthinkers, meet fellow overthinkers. Growth for me would be learning to speak um, like themselves. Where can they go? They can go to the overthinkersjournal.com where they can find out more about their hosts and they can also send us all of their love and hate mail there. We love both. We want both. Um, just any attention we, we love. Notice me! No! Uh, so you can also go to our online uh, Overthinkers Facebook group where there's now 14,000 plus members just like yourself getting to all the discussions about all the cool stuff we talk about here. We want you among our ranks. Uh, we want you to go there and be the ones posting the next cool intellectual memes. So please head over to the private group. And if you do enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving a review and sharing with a friend. Both of those things really do help so very much. Awesome. All right. I'm excited. Ready to get started? Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> According to Merriam-Webster, beauty is the quality or aggregate of qualities in a person or thing that gives pleasure to the senses or pleasurably exalts the mind or spirit. Everyone has heard the phrase, beauty is in the eye of the older, meaning, of course, that beauty is subjective. But for most of recorded history, the most famous thinkers believed that beauty was an objective truth that people recognized rather than merely a subjective experience to something that pleased them. According to the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, in de veritat religion, I am not pronouncing that right, and I know it, uh, St. <laughs> Augustine asks explicitly whether things are beautiful because they give delight or whether they give delight because they are beautiful. He emphatically opts for the second. Plato's account of it in the Symposium and Plantinus is in the Aeneids connect beauty to a response of love and desire, but locate beauty itself in the realm of the forms and the beauty of particular objects and their participation in the form. That said, most of these people did not entirely agree of what true beauty was. And in the 18th century, philosophers had been short believing that beauty was an entirely subjective experience. David Hume, for his part, said, Beauty is no quality in things themselves. It exists merely in the mind which contemplates them, and each mind perceives a different beauty. One person may even perceive deformity where another is sensible of beauty. And every individual ought to acquiesce in his own sentiment without pretending to regulate those of others. People who argue that beauty is subjective point out how much disagreement there is around what is beautiful. People who argue that beauty is objective tend to argue that there is actually a great deal of commonality in what people find beautiful, and people respond to beauty as if it is something they discover rather than determine for themselves. 
So, Nathan, what do you think? What does it mean for beauty to be objective or subjective? And which do you think it is and why? Um, okay. Uh, beauty is obviously objective. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all done here. <laughs> yeah, so, all right, that's it. Thanks for coming. That's all, huh? Um, it, Very obviously, it's objective. There is an objective... Um, a standard to which we all understand what is beautiful, ordered, um, even awe-inspiring. You know, the the classic examples, you don't have to tell a child a a sunset is beautiful. And right. even uh, uh, Luigi Giussani, the, the famed theologian and priest, he talked about how um, uh, you don't have to inform um, someone when they, when they see the mountains for the first time in a, right. a, in a sky above you. You don't have to inform them, hey, educate them, hey, this is beautiful. Um, they gasp. There's this natural reaction to beauty that is that is embedded. Uh, I'll say designed and put there intentionally yeah. in each of the in all of our human souls that knows beauty when we encounter it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it is interesting that this was kind of accepted forever. There was yeah. really not a lot of debate uh, about if there is true beauty or if it's eye the beholder. For thousands and thousands of years throughout human history, um, beauty was objective. And all of a sudden, as you pointed out, we get to, um, oh, I, what would it be, the, the, the 1700s, 1800s? It, yeah, around then, yes. Yeah, and then we start kind of this idea. And I will say, hey, the sophists did say this way, way back with Plato, uh, yeah. too. So th- this has been around back and forth. But the No, no, yeah, um, it's, it's not like it's been uncontroversial, but the dominant idea was that beauty is objective. Exactly. And so we, we've had things pop up. Well, no, it's not. But typically most every human alive would yeah. be like, no, it, it's obviously objective. Um, until, you know, the 1700s, we start this kind of thought. But still, it didn't really, I would argue, take hold until, uh, oh, we hit one of our buzzwords. Oh, no. Oh, no. We, <gasps> we need to put a dollar in the jar for every time we say post-modernity. post-modernity. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so in, in the, the modern age, in the post-modern age, kind of came all this understanding that um, no, we don't know what's beautiful. There is no objective truth. There's no objective morality, and there's no objective beauty. These are all things that are subjective in the eye of the beholder. And we, and that's kind of we hear this even now with live your truth. Um, mm-hmm. You can't tell me I'm be- I'm beautiful or not. Uh, I I am what I believe myself to be. Yeah. And I and I understand the proclivity towards this um, psychological makeup, right? Because I think the reality is a lot of us want to engage with this. I, I think there's a there's a desire behind. I don't think people saying the beauty subjective is um, uh, is out of nowhere. I, I think yeah, most yeah. of us realize that there's unbeautiful parts to us. And that might be physically, that might be mentally, sure. that might be emotionally, that might be our past, whatever it might be. And um, for most of human history, you just had to deal with it. Okay, there's yeah. something about me that isn't beautiful in one of these uh, specific areas. But we come to a place now where I think we still have that realization that there's unbeautiful parts to us. Yeah. But rather than grappling with that unbeauty, that quote ugliness, that that um, fracture uh, in us or on us, uh, instead what we do is you know rather than grappling with that and either trying to make it better or dealing with it or, or working through it, we just say actually I don't want to do any of those things. I'm mm. just going to say the beauty is subjective. And I'm perfect the way I am. And we, we've heard this since we were young, right? You're perfect the way you are. You're beautiful the way you are. Um, and I, I understand the desire for this philosophy because it means we don't have to face our own ugliness, our own brokenness. Yes. Um, but I think we are doing a disservice to reality when right. we go, uh, and especially to people that we invite into this reality, which is... Um, which is ultimately, um, it keeps them from actually addressing and facing the unbeauty that lives within them, or it mm. keeps us uh, not facing or being honest about the unbeauty that lives in the art around us or the, the world mm. around us. I mean, yeah. the you know, ask any film critic. We have one literally right here with us today, if you can Bye. believe it. <laughs> <laughs> to be a film critic, you have to believe in some sort of standard of excellence, yeah. of quote, beauty. Um, or else you could not write anything that appealed to any sort of uh, objective standard. Yeah. Um, but I say all this, and I'm speaking a little bit abstractly, but it, I'm going to back up my claim here a little bit, um, actually a lot of bit. Um, we can say all day beauty is subjective, morality is subjective, truth is subjective, but the reality is we actually have data on this. Another yeah. one of our buzzwords, yeah. we have data. <laughs> That's $2 in the, uh, in the overthinker's <laughs> yeah. buzzword jar. We have a lot of data. 
and and, and I'm going to speak specifically in physical um, beauty, even uh, uh, like human physical beauty. We have a lot of data yeah. that points to the reality that yes, there is a particular thing that is intrinsic across every culture. And, and yeah. this is not, so it's not culturally made. This is in the West. This is in the East. This is in remote tribes yeah. um, in, in developing countries. And this is in the most um, developed countries that, um, that there is a standard of beauty. They, they did a test where they, in front of people from all, I mean, I think this was a longitudinal test over like, I don't know, 10, 20 years where they went to all these different countries and showed um, faces. I think it's like a hundred faces and yeah. had, different people from different cultures, from different backgrounds, order the faces and from least beautiful to most beautiful. Yep. And it was un- like to the scientists, unbelievably surprisingly accurate. Yeah. Um, and how across how all these cultures, how closely um, all these participants ordered um, from ugliness to beauty. So it does seem, and there, there's many more tests, but that's just one of the most telling in my opinion. It yep. does seem that there is some sort of objective beauty, especially when it comes to physical beauty that we recognize that there's something programmed into us. Um, now, I, I get that it's not a nice thing to say. No one likes sure. to say that beauty is totally objective because um, none of us totally are. Yeah. And so it's, it's difficult pill to swallow. But I have found, you know, there, there's I've met guys before and there's kind of this this kind of white knightish thing that they'll do. And they're like, oh, I don't care what a girl looks like. All I care about is her soul. <laughs> and they'll say this to me. I'm like, okay. And I take them at their word. And it just turns out that their string of girlfriends all happen to be very traditionally beautiful in one way or yeah. another. Um, and so we have data, we have philosophy, you know, um, uh, if we go back to Plato and I'll let you jump in here uh, too, Joseph, you'll add some more dimension to this. We have uh, Plato talking about this um, before even Christ came along. Plato's talking about the 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 forms and that, that, that there is an ideal um, to everything under. There's an ideal that we all long for and want to see and everything that there's nothing is perfect but we have an ideal in our mind which we use to gauge the something's yep. beauty or goodness or orderedness uh in our re- everyday reality so yes i do think there's objective beauty and not only do i think it um plenty of science and data backs it up um but you know we'll move into a second and let joseph jump in here but moving to second so what does that mean uh, and sure. how is that going to play out in our art, in our, you know, uh, in, in even our own psyches and, and everything yeah. around us? So why does it matter? Um, yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. Why does it matter? Exactly. That 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 beauty is objective. Yes. OK. So, yeah. No, I think I think I, I would say this. I mean, you know, my I, I split the difference here a little bit where it's beauty is both objective and subjective. And because I think, you know, one of the things that we always run into is the fact that um, so where you're right is the fact that there's a lot of places where um it where uh there's there's an incredible amount of data that shows that everybody has the same opinions of what is beautiful so like you said you know the uh like you said the, the, the all the studies there was oh what was it there's one guy who i was looking up i'm trying to remember his name he uh dr randy tronhill um he he's one of the foremost scientists on the study of beauty and he also said you know the the idea that beauty isn't merely a social construct is just not um, congruent with the science because, you know, if you talk about, you know, he is uh, his uh, specialty is on you, like you said, sort of like, you know, uh, physical beauty with people. And he said, said also all the science talk about there's extreme commonality among different cultures. You know, symmetry is one thing people look for, you know, innocence seeming faces and other things people look for. Like there's there's different things that are like that. And you're right, you know, we'll get it, people get uncomfortable with that because most of us don't measure up to the ideal of of, of the most beautiful people. And so we're like, oh, we're gonna be left out. You come close. Like really I close. Know, I know. Well that's 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 so, you know, that's why it's so easy for me to accept the beauty's objective. Yeah. Um <laughs> don't hate me because I'm beautiful. Um uh, you beat me to that joke. That's 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 good on you. Um, but uh, the on the other hand, of course, then there is that side of it, but not just in there. Like you alluded to, there is uh, what was it? Uh, the psychology of all is yeah. about you know where it's not just okay, physical like sexual attractiveness, whatever with with individuals. Whenever, like you said, whenever people go to a Grand Canyon, every single person has the experience of. Oh, this thing is so much bigger than me, you uh, know, and that 
it, it caused people to just like they're they feel wonder you know and oh and also increases people's altruism oddly enough like wow. you know you go to the grand canyon people become less selfish because they're like oh here's my small place in this much bigger you know world so like there is a lot of data we have that shows that there are at least some things that every human in common finds to be um finds to be a beautiful now we may find them to be beautiful at different rates with different priorities and we'll get into that a little bit later but everybody finds certain common things beautiful and this is important because when people ask is beauty objective it's like okay is it something that exists outside independently of us or is it something that's merely to our own that exists regardless of what we think or is it something that exists only because we think it um there does seem to be something that human beings either were designed a particular way by god or in order to flourish in reality had to conform to something in reality uh in order to survive evolve mm. flourish um reality had a voice in what we as humans uh determined to be beautiful there's mm. something about that that's true now the thing is this is where i'm going to kind of side you know i'm going to empathize with the cosmopolitanists and postmodernists who you know, starting in the 18th century, yep. you know, started talking about the beauty being an objective thing. Part of the reason they did it starting in the 18th century was because people started to meet other cultures, you know, other than the world. Mm. And what they started to encounter was that people saw many things that were beautiful that they thought were ugly and mm. thought, saw many things that were ugly that they thought were beautiful. They had vastly different value systems and of, of what was beautiful to them. And so, that obviously created, you know, that's that's a uh, 18th century when sort of globalization happened, which is the sort of precursor yeah. to postmodernism. Postmodernism being for people who haven't watched all 150 of our other episodes, <laughs> um, <laughs> is the idea that um, there is you live in a world where there is no central agreed upon value system. Essentially, it's like you know, oh, you live in cities and you know everybody's got a different religion, everybody's got different politics, everybody's got different you know whatever. So that's. And so postmodernism is a, just a bigger expansion of you're just meeting a lot of different cultures with different value systems and different ideas of beauty. And in that circumstance, it is understandable to think that because there is a lot of variety in what is known to be beautiful, that it means that there is no consensus on what is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so the thing is, I think we get mixed up about the fact that there are many beautiful things that are subjective, where it's like, man, and again, you and I argue about whether we liked a movie or not all the time. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, this I thought movie was incredibly beautiful. And you're like, and you will say, Joseph, you're crazy. You know, and we'll go back and forth <laughs> like that. But oftentimes where it comes down to, though, is we actually agree on what the movie did, but we just uh, disagree on how much we care about that particular thing. Yeah. And so I find that all to say is that the reason that there's such disagreement on this is because there is a lot of variety and subjectivity. That's interesting. But... but Again, that doesn't mean that it's all variety and subjectivity. Like I said, you actually can find data that shows that there is um, a commonality. And then we'll get into this a little bit later. But uh, uh, but then there's also some values that would say that we should find some things beautiful that we don't. And if we don't, there's something wrong with us. So there's a, yeah. that aspect that we can get into a little bit later. But yes, so, okay, if we've established that there are at least some things in the world that reality basically has forced us to see as beautiful in order for us to flourish in it, whether that's God or simply, you know, evolution, you know, um, what does that, what does that matter? Do you think? Well, yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. I, and real quick, I want to go a little off what you said about variety. Okay, sure. Yeah. And I feel like it might be an important time a little bit to bring actually definition of beauty. Uh Oh, another overthinker buzzword. Yay. <laughs> Boy, we have a lot of dollars in the uh, I did jar marry today. a Webster at the beginning. I did a That's little bit true. of definition. <laughs> no, you did. You did. I, I guess I'll give my Nathonian um, uh, definition of beauty to me. Yeah. And this is, this is both philosophical and theologically based um, and just practically uh, re reality based. But to me, I guess when someone, uh, what I when I think about what beauty actually is in my head, and, th and this will tie in with the diversity thing in a minute, in my head it is seeing something okay that is fully what it was intended to be, and so um, the by, by that I mean, and so th this plays in with the diversity thing is well, like okay, 
so um what would happen we, we thought this kind of thing is really beautiful and they think this kind of thing is really beautiful um so i guess there is no such thing as beauty and we just made these up culturally the problem for me is what i think is happening is you're comparing apples and oranges and i mean this literally um if you if you plant an apple tree and oranges grow um something went wrong and it it, it and, and you're going, yeah. well, that's not what apples are supposed to be. And like I said, the beauty is seeing something that's fully what it's supposed to be. If you've never seen an orange before and you yeah. plant an apple tree and an orange tree, you'd be like, this is wrong. It's ugly. <laughs> um, trust me, I can't prove this, but you would. So, <laughs> so but we can all say, uh, so let's just take apples. If we have an apple and we see, and we can see in our heads right now, we can see the perfect ideal of an apple. It's, it's, it's red, um, generally, uh, it's red unless you like golden delicious. Yep. It's perfectly shaped. It's symmetrical. It's shiny. It's 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 um, you know it's crisp. It's sweet inside. We know what the ideal of an apple is. Now, if you say, "Well, I have a I have an an orange," um, then you can say, "Well, that apple doesn't live up to what the orange is supposed to be." And that's what I feel sure. like is going on when you have this diversity of things. What you're doing is literally comparing apples and oranges when actually both of the things could um, technically be actually beautiful if sure. they're both fully what they are, and maybe you just haven't had an education into actually know this is what it's supposed to be even you know we talked we've talked um about a while ago uh we had our first season we had Alyssa wilkinson on who is a um yeah a a film reviewer and we talked about the difference we went back and forth and i was yeah. um going yeah, i'm i'm well, you know go to the met and look at classical art and she's like well you know try the moma and check out the modern art modern and, yes yeah. yeah and to her point what i what i didn't think about at that time and that i'm and i've rethought now is there actually could be a beauty to those sure. um modern pieces but maybe the beauty in the, in the classical and the modern pieces aren't trying to do the same thing. Maybe the beauty in the modern pieces isn't the aesthetic, but the concept, what it does to people. Maybe the concept is a beautiful thing that you actually made people think or discuss or you, yeah. it inspired um, uh, good discussions or or a reaction. Maybe that's the beautiful thing, the concept, but not the aesthetic, where I'm evaluating the art on the terms of aesthetics sure. and saying, well, obviously classical art is more aesthetically pleasing. So I guess when it comes to variety and diversity and our definitions of beauty, what I want to do, and this also translates into people, you know, it's sure. easy to say that person's not beautiful, but I promise you because they're made in the image of God, there is something beautiful about them. It might not be their physical looks. Yeah. It might yeah. not be their mind, but maybe it's how they, it's their, it's their ability to relate to people. Or maybe yeah. it's their, or maybe it is their mind. They're they they have a beautiful ability to think deeply, and so I I want to get out of. Well, I do believe that beauty is objective. It's not one thing. So I'm really glad sure. you brought up the um, the the diversity aspect. Beauty is objective. There is a an ideal, you know, sue me for beauty, but it's also diverse, and there's a lot of different ideals that things are meant to be. Sure. Um, be it physically, mentally, spiritually, uh, conceptually, whatever it might be. So in widen your mind to the possibility of different kinds of objective sure. beauty. So that's one thing that's really helped me as I've tried to learn, as I've experienced that. Someone shows me a piece of music, they say it's beautiful, and I'm going, well, that is not beautiful. But then as I, I remember my friend Matt, I had this song that I I, I played for him. And, I, and it was a new CD I'd gotten, and I, and I put it in, and I played it for him. And I, you know, I sang along with it as I'm playing for him, like in that an amazing song. And he confessed to me, he said, you know, I had heard this song before you showed it to me and I really, really disliked it. But yeah. having heard it with you, with you explaining what the lyrics meant and you explaining why these different, all of a sudden it's beautiful to me. And so that is a perfect example to me of sure. different kinds of beauty. It wasn't beautiful in the way that he had understood what beautiful is. But when he saw the beauty that I'd experienced in a different way, maybe it wasn't the music, but it was the concept or the lyrics or whatever it might be, there was a beauty there that he suddenly saw. So widen your mind to different kinds of objective beauty. But the reason this matters to your actual question is because, um, well, there's there's a lot of different reasons this yeah. matters. Uh, one is because as soon as we get rid of the objecti objectivity of beauty, of form, of, the um, uh, of creation, of order... Um, it, ble it starts bleeding into morality, ethic, um, and just overall truth. And I think when you abandon objective truth, um, it will have a detrimental effect on your life. Uh, you know, you can you can say, well, there is no objective truth, yep. um, which means there is no objective gravity, which means I can jump off this cliff. Obviously, bad example, but I do think it can have a net uh, a negative effect on society at large when we get rid of the idea of objectivity 
um, at all. So once it goes from beauty, it will go to ethics. It will go to reality itself. And so I do think that objectivity is important for you to live a healthy life, for um, you to live a full life, for you to live a safe life, for the world to run as it should. Uh, and so I, the reason it matters is once we get rid of objectivity with beauty, everything else goes too. Hey. And so, um, and we start, you know, if you start, let's say, let's go back to the apple. If you start saying that a rotten apple is Whoa. just as beautiful <laughs> as a ripe, um, good apple, and then you try to eat both, one's going to poison you or give you food yeah, poisoning, yeah. the other's going to nourish you. And I think that is um, a metaphor that can be uh, co-opted onto all of reality in uh, in, the, in the rest of society. And so I do think that there is a need for us to have to come to, it's not a consensus space, to come to an understanding that there is an objectivity and beauty, even if we don't always understand it. Um, <laughs> so I do think it matters society large. And I also think it matters personally. Well, um, because what I've seen is the, the new trend is to once we get rid of the idea of objective beauty, that makes it so we can justify our quote ugliness. Mm -hmm. And I don't just mean physically. I we even talked about this with Josh. Is if you want to justify yourself as a healthy person and say my health is beautiful, all the while you're rotting from the inside, you're it's going to have a detrimental effect on you and your family sure, yeah. and whoever else. And so. Um, I do think, as we said earlier, there is a inclination that we can get out from under the reality of the hurt at yeah. facing our own ugliness if we just get rid of this idea of objective beauty. Um, but in my opinion, facing the ugliness, facing the fracture, mm -hmm. facing the things, and by the way, we all have them. There, there are no perfectly beautiful people, um, be it inside or outside, be it physical or spiritual. Um, I think these are important things to face and actually go through the redemptive work with God, I would I would Maybe. encourage you to, of healing, touching, um, and growing. And you know, we, we can look at someone who has uh, who from from trauma has incredibly um, detrimental behavior. Yeah. It's the therapist's job not to say you're fine, you're beautiful the way you are. Actually, it's the therapist's job to say this is a, a thing that's hurting you. This is a fracture yeah. that is hurting you. We need to face this fracture slash ugliness and say there is an objective good for you, and we're going to work mm. to get there. And so I, so I worry that if we get rid of this, we're going to become less healthy people, both physically, mentally, um, and societally large. So that's why I would say this actually is an important discussion and why it really does matter. What would you say the reason this matters is? Yeah, I, so I, there's three main reasons that I would say this matters. Um, one is that um, it's simply um, better, more accurate language to the human experience. Um, because you know, there's a was a, a an article I read pulled up that was really interesting. It's from uh, philosophy talk, the beauty of metaphysics. Um, one of the things that they talk about there is that you know, this part of the discussion there, which I thought was fascinating, was that you know, when I talk about a um a a, a, a symphony being beautiful, and I didn't see it as beautiful before, and then I found grew to find it be beautiful um this experience i'm describing is that i discovered something that was there that i didn't realize was there before mm, most, so you're talking the positive that's great yeah so most people when they when they talk about encountering beauty what they are describing is discovering something that yeah. they did not that they because if it's subjective then it's you simply imposing something on something but most people, when they're describing beauty, that's what they're describing. And so if we stop saying that beauty has any objectivity, we lose the language to actually describe one of the fun most fundamental aspects of the human experience. Man. Um, so that's that might be a, a one that you might not really think of as super important, but it it is we can't overlook that if we're trying to describe accurately human experiences with language. Um, and connect to each other and share our world. Exactly. If we don't have that language, it's going to have detrimental effect worldwide and personally. Exactly. If we, yeah, we can't share things with each other in that way. Um, the second thing is that um, people grow better when they are conforming to reality. And yes, so yes, that, if, you said it better than me. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. Yes. I, you, you gave a lot more detail, but uh, that's this. You know, is that that's people... a great way to succinctly say it, though? Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Paul. You're so smart. Um, but <laughs> but uh, the what the, about beautiful though? 
Oh, my beautiful. I, I called you beautiful before. We can't have okay, too okay, many okay, beautiful. I'm variety of compliments. <laughs> got to got to have variety of compliments. That's true. That's true. But um, no. So the the thing about um, yes, you have to have con- uh, so like for example, say the um the going to the Grand Canyon. You know, people become better people when they encounter that fact their their smallness compared to mm. the world and stuff like that and you know it would be wrong to say well something i'd encounter with a kind of beauty that makes you a better person is in is just the same as an encounter with beauty that brings out something less in you when uh. people are saying i want not just to see something and decide it's beautiful and label it that way but I actually want to encounter things that change me into being someone different. Yeah. That is a superior, a better experience because it makes us better people. Suddenly, life has new meaning to me. There's beauty up above and things we never do. And so, well, I'm going to throw some theology in here just please. real quick and then let you finish. Uh, anyone who doesn't believe in God, um, I'm really sorry, Mattis. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, t- and you know, write in if I'm being heretical and I'll take this all back, I promise. But I kind of have this instinct that when you are exposed to beauty, you're being exposed to a side of God. Yeah. And so if you want to encounter God, who is objective and real and part of reality, um, then you have to experience beautiful things. The more beautiful things you experience, um, you're going to be experiencing God more in a way, in a particular yes. way. And so the more that we uh, we advertise and support calling ugly things beautiful, the the less experiences with the true, good, loving God people are going to have. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, no, it, it does. I mean, so the, the um, uh, medieval philosophers like uh, Aquinas and I believe Boethius, um, uh, most of them agree with this. They distinguish between pleasure and happiness. This is not quite analogous mm. to beauty, but it's but it's similar. And say basically the definition is that pleasure is anything that you enjoy, and happiness is something you enjoy that you're right to enjoy. Mm. And so the so you know so every 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 happiness is a pleasure, but not every pleasure is a happiness kind of thing. Interesting. And, and so the thing is, you know, it is objectively better, you know, to find beauty in you know uh uh in in seeing somebody you know enjoying a good meal than it is to watch somebody being tortured like it is objectively those are better and so um we become better when our ideas of what pleases us conform to right values and conform to values Mm. that are congruent to which is again why ever the reason why everybody is um agrees that symmetrical faces are are more beautiful than not is because people who are symmetrical, who don't have like one foot that's taller than the other too much, you know, it's easier for them to survive in the world and not follow and things like that. There is, yeah, you know, there mm-hmm. are ways in which this is just all you know, complicated, but it's ways that if we conform to what pleases us to what actually is good and true, then life is better. And so all to say is that if we get away a, a way from the idea that there's objectivity and beauty, it makes us smaller people who are less better people. And I I have something controversial to add on to. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I, I, well, I just had one th- third point. So you go. Oh, yeah, yes, that. please. Um, so the third point is that what I found is that most people who is that one of the, the third problem, the problem that comes when you don't, when you get rid of the idea of objective beauty is we start to hate people whose views of beauty conform to objective beauty. What yeah. I mean by that is, you know, again, you know, once we say, again, once people say, "Hey, you know, there is no standard for, you know, let's say, beauty in terms of human appearance," like we start to hate and put loathing and cultural shaming on people who do conform to, you know, the traditional standard of beauty. It's like, what's wrong with you that you won't simply change and find uh, other find other types just as beautiful just as often and yeah i found and and the fact is and 
because people can't actually change that about themselves, they don't, they just hide it. And it, it, it and there becomes a perpetual cycle of needless hatred. Instead of, like you're saying, like realizing, okay, maybe I don't live up to this standard of beauty and that doesn't make me less valuable in the eyes of God, but I don't hate the person next to me who doesn't find me as beautiful as someone. Well, and this is where also this idea of diverse beauty, different kinds of beauty comes yes. in. Yeah. Maybe you aren't a model. Right. Um, I am. I am a supermodel. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we know. But maybe, maybe you're not a model, but we have this promise, and this is theological promise, that yep. we're made in the image of God, which means there's something there that we are beautiful in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. So learning to expand your idea of different things that can be beautiful. Right. You can say, hey, that model is a physically beautiful person, but you know what? I'm a mentally beautiful person. I right. read yep. and I think deeply. Doing that will actually help you love people more yes. because you're not going to be bitter. You might be a little bitter uh, <laughs> when you see, you know, my just chiseled abs. But um, <laughs> I wish you guys could see me because I don't have chiseled abs. Um, <laughs> I, if you only ever heard me, you might just think I'm like a huge jerk. Um, but I'm, I'm not. I'd be tongue in cheek here. Um, but it'll help you say, well, I, I have a beauty here that I have and I can own and it's a part of my identity. And it might not be a quote physical beauty, but it's a mental one or or yep. a relational one. And so learning to to say there is objective beauty, but there's also different kinds of objective beauty will help yep. you appreciate the beauty that you already have without being jealous or bitter about a beauty that someone else has. And, and in fact, what, I mean, there's I can't remember what it was. There's a movie I watched and it was about um someone who wrapped up their in their entire identity. And I don't ask me what it is, I can't remember. <laughs> and their looks and they um and then there's another person who I wrapped up their identity in their um, their mind. Yep. And they all thought these were pretty much the only objective ways to be beautiful. Yeah. And then there's a, a Down syndrome actor who uh, has this beautiful way of relating to people and loving right. people. And all of a sudden you start seeing that there's all these different ways to be beautiful and how harshly we judge each other because we don't yeah. live up to these different kinds of objective views. So the idea of you don't have to be worried if you accept objective beauty, that you will be on the outcast. I promise you, yeah. if you're listening to this and you're a human, there's something beautiful about you. And that's stop. a wonderful thing, objectively beautiful about right. you. Right. You're beautiful, it's true. I, now I will, I'll just add very quickly before we hand it off to you, um, is this is what Paul's talking about when he talks about the theology of the body. Yes. Um, the body, or the theology of the body of Christ. It's like, you know, where he says that, you know, not everybody's a hand, not everybody's a foot. But some people are ahead. We all need each other. We all have aspects of ourselves that may cause us to be beautiful or necessary to the community. And so, and yeah. yeah. And in the body of Christ, I'm obviously the abs. But, you know, not everyone, <laughs> not everyone can be. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Uh, and, you know, some people have to be a foot, which yes. is fine. You know, no. you're beautiful too. I am a beautiful pain. foot. <laughs> <laughs> but the, and that's a whole other discussion. But, uh, the problem is um, not so much that culture um, uh, has made up a fake objectivity of beauty. It's that culture only worships one kind of beauty. Yes. And yes. so the better we can get at a, at at not worshiping, but um, lauding yeah. and celebrating different kinds of beauty, the more people are going to feel acceptance of their own beauty and less need um, to either change or less bitterness that they can't. Yeah. Um, but I do real quick want to touch on something before we <clears throat> go, because I know there's people screaming out there, but you didn't talk about taste. Taste. Sure. What about taste? And we talked a little bit about this, that diversity of beauty. Um, but taste is an interesting thing because while I believe that beauty is the objective aspect mm -hmm. here, mm -hmm. there's an objective aspect of beauty. I believe that taste is subjective Absolutely. and yeah. is malleable. I don't believe that beauty is malleable. I think there is objective, objectively objective beauty in reality yeah but taste um is subjective and malleable and here's the thing taste can go wrong and i'm going to use the food analogy here sure. um i i have known plenty of people and you, you can listen back to our episode with josh um who have gotten a taste for fast food sure and maybe it's the only thing they were raised on is the only thing they ever knew um and so they got a taste for it and so actually when they eat a home-cooked whole healthy nutritious yeah. meal they don't like it yeah now do we say well it doesn't matter you go with what your taste no that we can see what how that has played out in in america if we just encourage people in their tastes um 
you end up hurting your body and, and yeah. maybe even killing your body because of your quote tastes. And so there is this aspect of beauty of a little bit of education. But mm -hmm. I say that very carefully because it's not an education where you have to explain to something someone is beauty. I call it the education of exposure. So right. my mom had this um, had, had this idea, this philosophy that she wouldn't, from a young age, wanted to expose us to the most beautiful things in the world. So she took mm -hmm. us to museums. She took us deep into nature. She showed us symphonies. She showed us the greatest movies. And But here's the thing. She never had to tell us, um, because our minds were young and malleable, she never had to tell us that is beautiful at that yes. age before my tastes were totally formed i knew it was beautiful and so that was what my tastes um ultimately at a young age were wrapped around so i always had this standard even if i did enjoy a pulpy movie i always knew it wasn't as good as the beautiful Thanks. ones that were out there and so there is this idea of education and maybe you didn't get that when you were young like i did and i was very lucky to have that but stop this rubbing idea... it in my face <laughs> <laughs> that's true but but Maybe now is the opportunity for mm. you to go experience and expose yourself open-mindedly like a child to beautiful things. And so you can put in order um, beyond the tastes that you have created so you can maybe uh, find a new objectivity in what is the best in the world. And here's yeah. the thing. What they have found is on the first taste, when you taste a healthy meal and all you've ever had, let's say, is fast food or junk food, um, you're not going to like it. And it's going to be rough and it's going to be hard. And it's going to be like, I don't, I want my, I want my uh, Big Mac and fries again. And, um, but if you push through on this thing that we call it, that we can know measure that is objectively more quote, beautiful, a nutritious meal. If you push through and for a few months, eat that all of a sudden you will start tasting things you never have before. <laughs> you will start, um, feeling better than you have before. Yeah. And if you, and you talk to these people, I've known many of them. I used to be that person. Now I'm this person. And it took a while. But then you say, hey, do you want to get McDonald's? They'll say, no, I, I actually don't. And, and I'll say, don't you crave McDonald's? No, I don't. What I crave is this healthy thing. So beauty in its appreciation, in its objectivity can take a while, but it's worth it because eventually it will, it will be nutritious to your body and ultimately your soul. So I have trouble with this. My, my friend Lou um, forced, forced me, even at an older age, to go <laughs> back to the symphony and I'd forgotten its beauty. And all of a sudden, but once I was back in it, I remembered his beauty and I started longing for the beauty that actually nourished my soul with these stories and words and notes more so than the pop music I'd been listening to. There's nothing wrong with pop music, but it there is something nutritious and edifying about engaging with and and learning to let some of your tastes go and that will wrap around something more beautiful that will be more nutritious to your soul. So that's a little side thing about taste, but taste is subjective. Beauty is objective. Yeah, you could actually say, um, say in in some sense that beauty is um, nutritious taste, or is um, yes, right pleasing something that is right to please you in the same way that nutrition brings life it. and goodness yeah. to yeah. you. Yes, is is there's an ethical is is ethical uh, ethical pleasure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Well, that's I mean I think that's a, a really. Uh, a good place to end um so guys if you enjoy this episode uh please let us know let us know if you uh, uh agree or disagree or feel like we missed something um but now we're going to go on to uh our lessons and curses segment where we take our work of art media or resource that we want to recommend uh blessed because we think it's beautiful uh or to curse and uh diss because we think it's ugly so uh nathan what are your blessings and curses? Okay. Well, as, as I told you guys, I did a tiny bit of study um, into this. Um, by that, I mean a few <laughs> hours. I took some notes. But in that time uh, to brush up on this subject that, I, that I've talked about for many years, but I, I hadn't talked about it in, the, in a little bit, um, <clears throat> I went and found a great little documentary series on YouTube. Uh, they're about 10 minutes long a piece, and there's a few of them nice. by a guy named Dr. Jordan B. Cooper. And he kind of goes through this argument and um, not with in a biased way or in a you got to force to believe this way, but he explores this concept of what is truly beautiful. Is there something truly be uh, beautiful? Is there an objectivity to it? Um, and it's a really great watch if you just want to start exploring a little more of these themes. Well, you know, and he also explains kind of the importance, why this is important for society, why this is important for individuals. So check it out. It, literally the one that I called is, is beauty objective or, or subjective. 
that yeah, I watched yeah. today. And there's a few more that are really good too, but they're by Dr. Jordan B. Cooper. So check those out. I think this will be a, a great resource to dive into. It'll continue this conversation that we've begun here. Um, then I, I wanted to throw this in here somewhere, um, <laughs> but I, I didn't get to, so I'll put it here. Um, the, the ugly hot, uh, uh, hashtag oh gosh uh, is something that was really really interesting i'm gonna curse this a little bit mm. because what you find is people calling oh i just i'm more into ugly people uh ugly hot people yeah. and what they end up saying is no i'm really into this very attractive actor who has one minor feature minor flaw. Yes, that's yes. a little off and it's like yeah but they have about 40 traditionally attractive yeah. uh, features um so th this kind of playing to what we talked about today which is um, this idea of there is an objective beauty, um, and and so and people just don't. It's like the people it. who, are, who are like you know I'm really into dad bods and what they sh the picture that they show is Jason Momoa with a little bit of like you know hey don't you curse the dad bod <laughs> I'm not cursing I, the dad bod <laughs> I justify my diet and lack of exercise every day by the dad bod trend so thank you very much that goes in the bless category. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm also going to curse. Um, come for me, all you postmodernists. Um, oh boy, should I even try to say the name of this artist? Roisuki Kayasu, I believe. All right. Um, you can come for me and tell me. Uh, you can come for him after uh, about his pronunciation. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so finally, Joseph, they're coming after me out of the field. <laughs> yes. yes. But he is an artist. Um, and I say that with some quotes around it. <laughs> um, but uh, he is known for banging a drum badly Ooh. and chaotically um, and receiving millions of dollars and applause yeah. for something that is clearly not beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's Emperor's New Clothes. People are doing that because they think they should and that makes them look cool. It's not. We all know it. Um, even if you say you like it, I don't believe you. Uh, you know it's not. You know it doesn't live up to Beethoven's Fifth um, or any it and anything. It doesn't live up to a pop yep. song. Um, but I am so sick of this, and I don't, I don't want to be overly harsh. Um, I'm sure he's a very nice guy. Um, it'd be interesting. Hey, I mean, he might he not be. The Artists can be real weirdos. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. But this particular piece of art, um, I'm cursing, not him. Um, we try to avoid cursing actual. Uh, image people. bearers in this. Yes, exactly. He, yes. I think that's the thing that makes me frustrated. He's capable of beauty. Yeah. I know that there's beauty in him because I believe that God made him in yep. his own image. And there's beauty there and he's choosing to call something ugly and yep. disordered um, beautiful. Now, maybe you could argue the concept because it made me have a reaction. There's some sort of beauty in that. But the 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 performance itself is not beautiful and people say it is and they're lying. And yep. I'm sorry, I'm going to accuse you of lying. It's not a beautiful thing. Um, it's a cool thing to say, but it's not true. And so I, I got to curse that just merely for the the fact of all the um, pretentious people who are like, oh, yeah, it's yeah. great. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. No, it's not. And you know it. Yeah. Um, and I have science to back this up. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think, I mean, I think so. that there's for, for a lot of people, what they find beautiful is um, defiance of 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 conformity. And so that I can that I can see. Yeah. And and so for for him, it's like I am creating this um, that defies the structures of what people consider to be beautiful and other people applaud. And they say, I am also doing that thing. The idea, you could argue, is beautiful. I, li sure. I like that. The defiance, the idea of defying authority or conformity, that that could be a beautiful. Breath. But also but I the don't actual act yeah. and the actual art is not. But also, I don't think that our like you said, our preferences for what is beautiful are simply culturally constructed. So I don't know if the thing that he's defying is uh, as worthy of defying as he thinks it is. So that, <laughs> that's a whole nother episode. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, so yeah, cool. All right. So those are your blessing curses. Yep. Okay. So I'm going to try to go quickly through mine, which is my, always my ambition that I continually fail at, but um, <laughs> we're I'm growing to, here. Yes. We're all growing. Uh, to be more beautiful. Beautiful. Exactly. Be more of what we're meant to be. Yes. Ooh, like it. Put it on a t-shirt. Um, but uh, I will say uh, briefly, again, if you want a really esoteric version of what we talked about here, um, uh, the uh, C.S. Lewis's Abolition of Man essay. Yep. Yep. Um, 
because and and uh, it, as a very quick summary, it's about you know whether or not there is a, a true beauty and truth to conform to, or whether it's all just stuff we impose on the world and the damage that happens when we believe that it's just stuff we impose on the world. Um, and and one of the things I brought up being it becomes a, a small group of people imposing their idea of beauty and truth on everybody else. That's sort of what it ends up yeah. being. So if you want an interesting intellectual essay about some of these concepts, that's a good one to do. Um, for a movie, um, I feel a little bit lazy, but it really is, is you know, it fits the bill, is the movie The Tree of Life. Which, yeah, yeah. If, if you want, again, a, an aesthetic exploration of what most people, Christians, but also most people, are talking about when they're talking about beauty that fills you with awe and draws you out of itself um tree of life is one of the best um explorations of that that yeah most people agree that they've ever seen now most people myself included think maybe the movie is about 40 minutes too long but uh, a little that, pretentious a little bit but but that is aesthetically if beautiful. you, you yes. will not watch it can't watch it without having that experience of uh awe and beauty and, and, i've never heard someone call it ugly Ooh, well said well said Yes. Pretentious, so, long, whatever, but never ugly. Yes. Well said. So that's that's definitely something to watch. Um and then of course for curses, I'm going to curse the movie uh Neon Demon, which is uh one of those classic um uh pretentious film student favorite movies. Uh about is it really oh <laughs> where <laughs> where that's about it's supposedly about deconstructing our obsession with beauty. But it ends up being to me exploitive because it takes things that we think are beautiful and tantalizes us with them while also causing violence to them. Um, sort of trying to make it feel like they're being edgy by making us feel how shallow it is, but it really doesn't. It makes us sort of feel the pleasure of destroying something beautiful because we mm. believe that we can't participate in it, which given the fact oh. that the protagonist is a you know, a young, uh, young model also gets into realms of misogyny really quickly. Yeah. So, um, so I think that that's a, that, that's, that is a, a psychological piece, a therapy piece in and of itself about the movie, but it, it think it does damage to us to engage in that as if it's beautiful. So that's why I'm going to curse. Um, cool. Awesome. Well, this has been a fun, you know, throwback philosophical, artistic overthinkers episode. I had a lot of fun with it. I hope you guys did too. Um, uh, thank you very much for joining. Nathan, if people want to engage with more of your content um, and uh, yeah, get in touch with you uh, and get in touch with the Overthinkers, where can they go? Uh, they can go to the overthinkersjournal.com. They can send us all of their love and hate mail. And don't forget to join the online Facebook group, private group, the Overthinkers. If you want to get in touch with me, uh, you can search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials. You can also go to my website at NathanClarkson.me. And cool. you can also read my objectively beautiful books and see my objectively beautiful movies somewhere. And they you are. figure it out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to find any of my objectively beautiful content, you can go to JosephWolmStudios.com. You can also find me on any of the socials, and you can find my... Um, uh, culture and film criticism where I explain what movies are beautiful and what ones are ugly at uh, Religion Unplugged, uh, Relevant Magazine and uh, an Unexpected Journal. So, well, thank you so much everyone for joining us and remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Mm -hmm.